So, Kevin, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, how are you managing these days without uh, football, I suppose? Uh, well, struggling by. Um, definitely, I think even the uh, the bit of action on the Sunday game last night kind of mm. would have you missing it, missing it a good bit. Um, but, uh, look, there's not really a whole lot that can be done. You're, you're better off just accepting it for what it is and, and trying to uh, make the best of the time that you have now, whatever way that is, whether that's kind of focusing on work or some way of adjusting your work or taking the time to uh, to work on some um, weaknesses or things with your game or, or focus on different aspects of your fitness and your performance and that's pretty much what we've been trying to do um, over the last few weeks to try and try and keep ourselves busy and keep ourselves kind of mentally switched on but uh, no it's definitely definitely tough times all right. Uh, I suppose John Horan says October probably would be the earliest that inter-county action will resume. Would you sort of welcome that? that? I suppose you can know that there will be no action for the next, until then anyways, and you can sort of relax the training uh, that you might have been doing before that. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it, it's, it would be unreal if it did go ahead in October. It's, it's really great to have something to look forward to, but then, you know, obviously you kind of... John Horn outlined yesterday as well about how if, if social distancing is still a, a recommended protocol, um, which it mostly you'd imagine it still will be by October. It's uh, it's 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 hard to see where where the G, or Gaelic games lie in terms of contact sport and stuff like that. But um, yeah, if I'm kind of working off the basis that there will be something going ahead in October, and I'm trying to keep that as a a bit of a focus, and then obviously as well club. The, the, I'd say the priority would be for a club to go ahead before county as well. So um, that's a kind of a, a light at the end of the tunnel as well. That maybe um, towards the end of the summer we might we might have a bit of club football to be um, looking forward to. So um, yeah, probably relaxing a little bit in terms of training and fitness at the moment, but um, we'll probably get back into it a little bit more kind of intensely um, coming into June, kind of with the with the club season in mind more so than this. Yeah, you kind of seem to rule out the behind closed doors nearly scenario. But would, would you play football behind closed doors if that was the only sort of option? Oh yeah, that wouldn't it wouldn't bother me really that much at all. Um, to be getting to play, I think at this stage you're, you're so restless and missing it so yeah. much. You'd, you'd take any type of football. Um, obviously it's a it would take away hugely from the atmosphere and stuff like that. But um, I'd still take that over over nothing at all. Definitely, yeah. Well, I suppose we'll start with, um, you started as a professional soccer player, would I write on that, in 2010 with Bohemians? Yep, that's right, yeah. Uh, so was it always soccer or were you playing sort of both up until a certain age? Um, it was like primarily soccer, I'd say growing up um, as a teenager and stuff like that, it would have been, soccer would definitely have been the, the number one focus um, and I was used to live in, in Waterford as well in Tremor and um, Harlan would have been really big on the, the kind of priority list as well but um, I definitely kind of tried my hand at everything I was you know playing loads and loads of sports but with soccer and Harlan would have been the, the kind of main priority ones um, and then moving up to Kildare um, there's not a whole lot of Harlan in, in South Kildare especially mm-hmm. so that kind of took a, a back seat and football came a lot more to the fore I suppose when I was about 16 or 17 um, but still it was always kind of playing second fiddle to the soccer and the, like the aim obviously was going up was to try and be a professional soccer player I didn't really consider um, inter-county GEA as a as a kind of career I suppose um, 
and yeah, I was lucky enough then after playing a bit of soccer in the DDSL at Belvedere, then got a chance to go to Bohemians. Um, and I suppose even the first two or three years with Bows, um, I was still dabbling a bit in the football and you know playing Kildare Minor and, and under 21s and trying to talk with the club whenever I could. But um, you know, if there was a clash at all, it was always the soccer, and then um, got a big break then in 20. 12 and got the opportunity to go across to, to Charlton after a few trials and with different clubs and stuff so um, that was a deadly experience Yeah I suppose was it an easy decision I suppose probably every soccer player's dream in Ireland is to move to England eventually so was it easier would you find it hard leaving Ireland I suppose at a relatively young age um, it, it, it wasn't easy um, for kind of the reasons that I was I, I was I really I was really enjoying my life in Ireland at the time. Um, I was had, I was in had been in college in DCU for two years, so I kind of had the college thing going on, which was enjoyable. I was um, had played the last couple of years Kildare Twenty Ones and minor, and um, I was kind of at the stage. McGinney was my Kildare manager at the time, and he was you know asking me if, to to go and train with the senior team and. I was kind of only realizing what a kind of huge honor and thing that was to be asked to go and train with your county team at senior level, um, and how big a thing that was in Kildare and uh, the those the offer for Charlton and the offer for for um, Kildare kind of arrived at similar times, um, and it was it definitely was a it wasn't an easy decision. I didn't kind of rush in and straight away say oh I'll take the professional soccer route it took, it took me a good bit of time to to decide that um, I wanted to go the way soccer was going because I was really enjoying Gaelic football at the time but um, it kind of came to the conclusion that um, I'd severely regret not at least trying uh, professional yeah. soccer and seeing how it goes um, and if it was for me or whatever um, so I, I, I don't regret going over in any way it was it was a brilliant kind of experience and brilliant life learning um over there but uh, it definitely wasn't an easy decision do you feel you sort of better settled over there i mean i think you had a few loan spells and then you arrived at newport was homesickness apart at any stage um a, a little bit early on was um not hugely uh in 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 london when i was at with charlton in london um a little bit more so, but never, never to that huge of an extent. Um, it was more so disappointing that, um, like I, I actually would have had a, a good first year with Charlton. I, I went over knowing that I was going to be going over to the under twenty one team um, and the reserve team. I you know I knew I wasn't going over as a, a first team player, um, and had a you know what I would have thought was a very good start with the reserves and under twenty ones. Um, but then the following year, we had a kind of a change of management, and just kind of very quickly realised it wasn't in the in the plans with with the new management at Charlton, um, and the, the, then was when, that was when I started looking for loan spells and had a couple of injuries during that season, which kind of cut the loan spells short, um, and then so that was about two years into it, and that's when you kind of start feeling a little bit like. Geez, maybe it's not for me, but not really for homesickness reasons, just for combination of, of luck and perhaps not being quite up to the, the level of, of championship football in, in England. Um, but got a bit of a 
kind of new lease of life at Newport County down in Need 2 um, when I went on loan there and did well with them and they offered me a contract for the for the next three years then after that um, and even that summer another kind of decision had to be made I, when I was home and my contract at Charlton was up and Newport had offered me a, a deal with them um, but I was also in contact with Jason Ryan at Kildare and you know, had again that kind of decision to make of whether should I give League Two a go or should I just cut my losses and get come back home and and um, just throw my lot in with Kildare. But again, in my own head, I knew I hadn't really had a full chance at, at first team football yet in England. So I kind of said again, don't want to regret that. So I said I'd give it a, at least another year of, of first team football at Newport. Um, and I, I loved it actually when I went back. Um, lo I loved it socially, and I loved the um, kind of camaraderie I had within that group at Newport County. But um, I think towards the end of the year, I was starting to realise that uh, maybe I wasn't kind of. I was only a very average soccer player, and that maybe League Two was League Two, lower end League One was probably my my level. And as much as you can make a, a good living out of that, um, in terms of my own goals and ambitions, it was, I kind of, I wanted to be able to do more, uh, but the kind of, the ability maybe wasn't there. Um, whereas I did feel like with, with Gaelic football that I had a little bit more to offer and that I could influence games a bit more. And it was, uh, it wasn't as much of a struggle just to, to play averagely. Um, which uh, which was the case I found with uh, with soccer at that level. So, um, yeah, after another another season at Newport, kind of halfway through my next season, um, made the made the call to to come home and, and throw the lot in with Kildare. Yeah, I suppose did you find it hard to sort of come back? Um, I know you have your own business now. I mean, when did that sort of start up? Because you were playing sort of soccer, you had something to focus on, and then you come back to Ireland, and then you have to start again, kind of. Yeah, no, it was that was a tricky aspect to it as well. So I, I'd kind of, I'd remained in contact as well with DCU throughout my time in England. You know, initially I was open to continue a degree in some capacity in England, but um, that wasn't an option as it happened. Um, so I just kept making sure I filled out my deferral forms each year. Um, so I kind of remained as a student, but I was just deferring years. Um, but then. When I did come home, I got to the stage where I was, if, if I deferred one more year, I wouldn't be able to continue the course where, from where I left off, I would have had to start again. Um, so that was another kind of factor as well. Um, so I came home and was able to go straight into third year of, um, of the course I was doing athletic therapy and training in DCU. Um, and, and then I saw that, that I wasn't looking for work, I suppose, because I was gone into being back into being a full-time student um, a little bit of part-time work here and there but um, I was mostly focused on getting the degree done so I had two years in DCU um, finished that and then did a master's in Carlo um, in strength and conditioning and kind of combined that with some uh, a, co a coaching role that I was doing with Calera GA at the time um, and then it was after I got finished that master's then that's when I set up the um, the kind of injuries and performance clinic down after that. So in terms of suppose Gaelic football training, even in the last decade, it's kind of like has professional aspects, um, even though it is still an amateur organization, would you 
kind of agree with that, that she is kind of going not fully professional, but has the aspects of it. Yeah, there's definitely, I, th- I think the resources seem to be growing constantly. Um, there are the resources available to players and management and the, the level of professionalism available in terms of backroom staff seems to be kind of constantly growing. So the sports science aspect, the physio aspect, um, nutrition, all, you know, these, these things are constantly on a par with the professional level. Um, the only thing that's really missing is just the, the time you can dedicate to, to the sport is a lot less than what would be expected at a professional level. So I think I, what I think seems to happen is that to, to make up for that lack of time that you can dedicate to it, the training sessions that you do do tend to be extremely intense and mm. high volume and stuff like that. But So I think we get, we get our kind of elite fitness levels and stuff from that. But it would, it would be much more probably beneficial to be able to stagger the training sessions a little bit more with without as much intensity in, in one session and kind of balance it out a bit better. But unfortunately, um, we have to work as well and we uh, there's no way of doing that. So um, I think in terms of resources, it's definitely comparable to professional sport, but, you know, two two evenings a week, or sorry, two evenings a week and one day at a weekend um, isn't probably comparable in terms of time dedicated to on-pitch sessions. I know you have your, your gym sessions outside of that, but... Um, that tends to be the, the standard commitment is the three pitch sessions a week um, as opposed to professional sport where they're probably doing closer to, to six or seven. So um, if, if I think if, the, if, if teams had more time to dedicate to it, they probably would, but um, we're so limited by, by employment and, and college and stuff like that, that we can't fully match a professional setup. In terms of Kildare, I suppose probably 2017 was your kind of, breakthrough year if you like and played Dublin in the Leinster final and I know you lost but you probably put up put a good performance up to Dublin compared to a lot of teams in Leinster would you go along the lines of that? Um, yeah I, th- I suppose at the time um, yeah the, it was as a kind of as a competitive uh, a game as anyone in Leinster had given Dublin um, although yeah I remember just being so disappointed after it because it just we had a lot of momentum going into that game after a good league campaign and then really good wins against completion needs. Um, and I, even at half time, we just, we just thought, you know, this is our chance to get them now. Um, but I think we, we missed a goal chance in the first five minutes of the second half. And that seemed to knock the, the stuffing out of us and their kind of superior decision-making ability and, and just the ability to bring, better players off the bench all the time. We just kind of sold out in the end. And um, so it was, you know, it was good to be competitive with them, but going into the game, we had aspirations of being a lot more than just, just competitive, you know? And so we, we were very disappointed afterwards, but definitely it kind of, after a Midland year in 2016, it helped to, to bring our profile up and to kind of show that we were capable of at least being up competing with the kind of top eight teams in the country anyway. Yeah, I suppose then you played our man the round four qualifier. How disappointed were you to sort of go out like that? Because I'm sure you would have been targeting the last days throughout the year. Yeah, not exactly. Definitely. It was a, it was a real, you know, we, you know, we definitely underperformed. We, we struggled to bring any sort of, you know, an, an energy to that game. 
um, for whatever reason, you know, but uh, there was a big part of it was we were uh, totally outplayed. I know it was, a, it was a tight game, we only lost by two or whatever, but um, it just felt tactically like Armagh absolutely like had our number that day. Um, and we weren't, we weren't, I suppose, developed enough as a team or um, yeah, mature enough as a team to adapt to it quickly on the pitch. So we, we were kind of a little bit shell-shocked um, at what was happening in that game. And it just showed that we were probably weren't ready to make that next step into the top eight teams. We were probably a little bit off outside of it at that stage. But I'd say that stood to us the following year then, you know, in, in that we had a, a better year the next year and made that breakthrough into the Super 8s. Yeah, and then I suppose you got nominated for an All-Star that year and you got called into the International Rules uh, squad for Australia. So how did you find that? Oh, that was that was amazing. Uh, yeah, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Now, I had never been to Australia previously, so that in itself was um, really exciting. I was getting to, to go to Australia and see three different cities as well, which is really nice. So we got to go to Melbourne, Perth and Adelaide all in the one trip um, which was really cool was um, even yeah like I just getting to train with some of the guys that were on that panel who were um, you know a huge amount of all-stars there you know the top players in the game outside of the, the Dublin lads obviously weren't in a position to be on the panel but um, you know the Michael Murphys and Conor McManuses and Paul Murphys you know all these lads were kind of idols I suppose lads that you were so um in awe of watching them play when I was in England, it was it was unreal to get an opportunity to to train with these lads um, and the matches themselves as well. Which like, it kind of started a it started a really big interest in AFL for me. After that, I've I've been following it very closely since then, and only realising in hindsight the the quality of the opposition that we were playing against. Um, I think that was one of the first years that there was a. Uh, there was a requirement that the Australian team had to be comprised of all, like all stars that year. So the equivalent to our, our all stars. So it was it genuinely was the best of the best of, of Australia. Um, so that that was really cool, and it's it's been great seeing in hindsight how good those players were that we were playing against. And that I know that probably the game favours us in the the round ball makes such a huge difference, but. Um, when you look at the quality of the opposition as well, it was it was good. It was great that we were the games were so competitive and and close and probably hopefully revived the series a little bit and that it brought a bit more interest back into it. Yeah, did you find it even hard to sort of? I know you said the round ball, but even adapt sort of new rules and that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's just that kind of panic of when you get the ball that you can be you can be rugby tackled. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just a, a totally different mindset and um, you know, when you get the ball you just don't want to be caught standing still at all or else you're gone like and they're so used to that and then that the difference in I suppose physical strength in the tackle um, was huge like once they grabbed onto you there was no getting away from them whereas it's, we were kind of our tackling technique would have been very average and we we're trying to hold on to lads and they just they just had that power to kind of blow out the tackles that maybe we aren't trained to have um so that that was definitely the biggest advantage i'd say they had but it probably doesn't excuse probably you know our, our biggest failing was our, our ball skills weren't up to scratch in those two games and um if they had been we probably should be winning and more often than not ireland i'd say should be winning that uh, series just because 
the shape of the ball makes such a huge difference. You know? So I suppose on the 2018 then, um, would you right to say you were Division 1 that year and you got relegated? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So were you on a sort of a, a downer going into the championship, if you like? Yeah, oh, very depressed going into the championship. We had a lot of moral victories in that yeah. Division 1 early on, um, in that there was a lot of one, one and two point losses. Um, but then it tailed off then towards the end. We were um, a little bit sapped of, of kind of energy and sapped of kind of geez, belief, I suppose is the word, that, um, that we were in the right place. Like even early on, the matches against Dublin, Tyrone, Monaghan, Donegal, we felt like very much that we were in the right like that, we we were up there and competing with them, and could the matches could have gone either way. Um, but then we we had a bad game against Mayo. I think in the middle of us, beaten by four or five points, and probably deserves to be bet by more. And it just that really took the life out of us, and we were kind of took a bit of a hammer. And then I think five or six points against Kerry, and the same against Galway. But um, so going into the Carlow game in Championship, yeah, we were definitely we weren't in a great place. Um, but it probably took. You know, it, it took that loss to Carlo to really bring the best out of us, and it kind of showed a bit of a bit of fight or flight in us that we were able to come back and kind of show a bit of mental strength and get a bit of momentum after that game to to have a good a good season. Then after that, yeah, as I was about to say that Carlo loss. If you were sort of at a low point, that probably would have went well. Lower than that again, I suppose. What was the ment- mentality? I suppose you said there, sort of fight and show and um, sort of passion for the jersey and that. But was the was training sort of um, was it depressing nearly that week after the Carlow game? Um, it, it 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 could have been, but I think the majority of the squad kind of realised that like we can either we can either sulk about this and give up this season, or we can. You know, take the attitude that the only really the only way is up from here. So we, um, it was really rock bottom. Um, so we we were just had some kind of candid meetings there and just said what needed to be said and drew a line under it and said we 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 can't really get do any worse than this. So we might as well have a crack at it. We we can um, we can only go up and we have to kind of you know not we had no expectation from our fans anymore, you know, we kind of let them down enough at that stage in the year. So um, we just said we'd, we'd do it for ourselves initially for a bit of pride. Um, and once we did that up in Derry, we played really well up there. And that just gave us that little bit of belief then um, to scrape past Longford. And lo and behold, Newbridge or Nowhere came along and we were able to jump on the back of that bandwagon. Yeah, I suppose. What was the mentality like? Because I remember sort of that Monday you draw Mayo, you get the home draw, and then sort of maybe one or two o'clock, and the GA announced that's in Crow Park. And then watching the, the news that night, Keen O'Neill came on and said you weren't playing anywhere but Newbridge. Well, what, what was sort of the, the talk like amongst the camp during all this? Um, it, it was it was fairly reserved. Um, once, like, the, the, the minute we seen saw that... Um, Keen had gone and said that we weren't playing, we would only be playing in Newbridge. Um, that just had set in our heads at all, oh, okay, that the, this game is, is either going ahead in Newbridge or it's not going ahead at all. And um, we, did, we were very much 
settled on that then there was never any doubt in our minds that it was going to be played there like not for not for any kind of righteous reason like we just it just seemed like our manager said it's going to be there so the fact is it's going to be there so let's just prepare as best we can for that and we just had a great week's training preparing for for mayo um and like we, we were probably even a little bit caught on the hop at the the crowd that ended up showing up we didn't you know i know there was a lot of talk of it but we seemed to be a bit sheltered from that and um, so we probably even got a little bit of an extra energy boost from the crowd that was there and, and the atmosphere that that's that they created so um yeah it, it, it turned out to be an unbelievable day but the week leading up to it i'd say we were fairly sheltered from it we were just kind of focusing as best we could on on mayo yeah was there ever a moment where you think mayo might turn up in crow park and just sort of get the win or was that just you were always thinking this is going to be a new british on saturday i think early on we they, you know that it seemed like a tiny possibility but i uh who was was Rochford manager? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think he, I, I, he, he, he didn't say strongly either way that that they were going to go to to Crow Park. Um, he seemed happy enough. Like when the initial draw was con was Newbridge, so I think he, he just assumed it would be a Newbridge, and it was only a day after the initial draw that Crow Park tried to change it. So um, he did. They didn't put up much resistance. Like it, it seemed like they were happy enough to come to Newbridge, um, and as it happens. It, the crowd is probably split 50-50 anyway between they, they travel so well, their support, so um, it probably didn't make a huge amount of difference to them. You know? Yeah, I suppose even watching it, I think he probably used it to your advantage. She just seemed so fired up that she nearly had a point to prove that she'd earned home advantage and now you have to sort of put a big performance in. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that was definitely the case. Right? We were a little bit, we, we'd let ourselves down a bit in the league in our home performances. We were hoping to make Connets Park a bit of a, a bit of a fortress, but weren't able to do that. So we we, we were hoping to maybe um, create that bit of a cauldron for for Mayo when they came here. Um, and you know the the crowd themselves did that. And uh, I think it was really good that we we got off to a good start. That was really important. Like we uh, we went we went a couple of scores up early on, and and that got the crowd behind us. And once once that happened, you know adrenaline was going to get you through anything in that game. And um, we also you know, we, we kind of off the back of 2017 and the back of some good performances in in the league in 2018. We we did know that we were well capable of competing with with these teams, and um, and we had got a little bit of momentum from the the two previous qualifier matches. So there was all there was that shred of belief there as well that we're well capable of, of winning this match. And I think it just that belief was just exaggerated then by by the atmosphere that was created that day. Would you feel that you haven't had sort of enough of them moments sort of in the last three or four years for the sort of the talent that you have in the squad? Yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. I think um, there's always been plenty of potential in um, this generation of Kildare players. Um, probably from my my own age and four or five years younger than me have, have had a lot of success underage and stuff like that. That's, we really, you know, like you said, the potential has been there, but um, maybe just have never been, you know, mature enough as individuals to, to, to come together as a team and, and do what had to be done. And um, ultimately, it's your, your results that reflect how good you are. And we've never made it past the last eight. So I think, but I do think off the back of last of 2018, 
that last year 2019 was a very disappointing yeah. um, year like we, we really should have built off 2018 rather than seeing it as a peak that we're now falling off um, so I think last year was a year lost a year wasted in, in many ways but um, again we're back to, to full strength nearly this year and, and the squad isn't that different at all from, from 2018 it's, it's more or less the same players so we know it's it's in us. We just have to find a way to, to get it out of ourselves. Yeah, in terms of the Super race, I suppose that year, I think you lost the first game by a point or two to Monaghan. Was it really flat sort of after that? Is it like the mentality of the Super race? If you lose the first game, you really have a big challenge on. And yeah, we, we did see that game as, you know, even if we could have got a point out of it, yeah. a draw out of this, we would have carried on the momentum that we had. Um, but it just seemed very similar to the Armagh game the last the previous year in that you know we were in Coe Park with a very small crowd relative to the size of the stadium, um, which doesn't lend itself to uh, a good atmosphere as as we all know. So I suppose it was a bit of an anticlimax in comparison to the Mayo game, and even we played for Mana in Navin, which was packed to the rafters, and that was a brilliant atmosphere as well. Um, but you know these are all silly excuses. You should be well able to motivate yourself for for games like this. Um, but we weren't able to, and you know, and Monaghan are such a good side. And again, it, I suppose it showed that we were we were a good team that we competed as well as we did without playing well, if you know what I mean. But it just was really annoying that we'd gone another day in Crow Park without playing anywhere near to the potential that we could um, so I think if we had, could have got a point out of that game then going into the Galway match it would have been a lot more confident um, as it happens the Galway match was an absolute cracker as well yeah. but, um, the sending off at the end kind of killed us they really managed the game very well after that sending off yeah so the Monaghan be a team you kind of look at and think like they've been playing Division 1 the last six, seven years, consistently in the last eight, do you think that's where Kildare should be at least uh, every year? Yeah, yeah, we, we always say that that's where we should be, but um, we're not. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not. Yeah. And you know, you, when you match up player to player with ourselves and, and those those kind of Monaghan's, Tyrone's, and stuff, and and Mayo, like yeah, you, know, you think, oh, geez, maybe we should be there, but but we're not, and we still have to prove that we are capable of doing that we haven't done that yet so I think I still think at the moment we're a, a top 12 team as opposed to a top 8 team and we just need to we need to prove to ourselves that we can we can be a consistent top 8 team In terms of this year you have a new manager uh, Jack O'Connor how's he been this year? He's been, been really good um, he got a really good kind of backroom team in with him with the Ross Glavin in as a selector who was the Moorfields manager Moorfield have won Except for last year, they won the last um, two county championships in in Kildare and won a Leinster championship. So he was a great addition. And then um, Brian Murphy and Tom Cribben are kind of stalwarts of Kildare football as well. So a really good backroom team there as well. And um, he's definitely brought brought a fresh approach in in terms of style. And he's tried to to um, although I would have said we were quite a positive kind of attacking team anyway. He's trying to improve our skill set to to make us more confident kicking the ball. Um, 
or more accomplished, I suppose. I think there was never an issue with confidence kicking the ball. We just kicked the ball away a little bit too much in previous years, but he's tried to kind of upscale us in that and, and make us better kickers of the ball. And um, obviously the experience he has and what he's done in the game, he kind of commands everyone's respect without ever having said anything. So um, that's been a huge positive as well. And he's just, he's a great speaker and a great motivator. And alongside the lads, there, um, I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be really good in, in the role for there. Yeah, I suppose the five games he did play in the league, um, he didn't get off to a great start. I think, and then I think he just bet Leash, um, which was a good win. And then, of course, all this came. Do you think that was maybe going to be the turning point for you? Uh, we we hoped it would be uh, definitely. But, um, yeah, we, we yeah, they're definitely. Uh, we are underperforming yeah, against uh, Clare and Armagh in particular were games where we didn't play very well. It didn't, it didn't feel like we were doing a whole lot wrong. We were still losing the games. It was only when you watched them back, you realised how um, our intensity just was really poor. Like We weren't making mad mistakes or anything like that, but we were just a bit lethargic in those two games. And um, We definitely improved in that Roscommon match in Conlitz. We played way better, but... Um, Still came out the wrong side of it. It was a very good game, actually. Could have gone either way, but Roscommon were probably more deserving of it. They finished the game very well. Um, but then, yeah, and then Leash, we kind of ramped up the intensity again and, and had a comfortable win against Leash. So it did feel like we were on the brink of uh, of kind of finding finding a bit of form. But um, so we were as well to write, write it off. I don't think that league will be finished now. Um, yeah. It doesn't look like it will be at all. So uh, we're as well to, to write it off and, and have a go again next year. Or, sorry, we'll hopefully yeah. just have, focus on preparing for October Championship. Um, and that, that will um, hopefully be the next the next opportunity we have to to show what kind of form we're in. Yeah, I suppose nearly to wrap up, um, the Leinster Championship has kind of been flat, if you like. So I suppose how, it's probably yourselves and me, they're the two teams that everyone talks about trying to bridge the gap to Dublin. Do you see that being a possibility at all in the next three, four years? Yeah, no, de definitely. I, I think if, if we didn't see that as a possibility, there wouldn't be a huge point to, to playing. <laughs> You'd have to, have to have some ambition and some goals um, that you want to achieve. So uh, I, I think it's definitely in us as me, they're probably a bit ahead of us based on last year. You know, they, they did what we did in 2018, so they're carrying that big momentum in. Um, but we definitely feel like it's in us. We just have to we have to go out there and prove it um, to ourselves as well as everyone else that, that we're capable of bridging that gap um, and hopefully making Leinster a bit more of a competitive um, provincial championship if it's, if it's still there, actually. In the next three or four years, we don't know what way it's going to go with the the change in the championship format, but um, yeah, we we do, we, re, we do believe that we're, we're capable of doing it, but um, we've a good bit more work to do yet, so we'll be taking it kind of one step at a time. Yeah, would you be in favour of kind of keeping the Leinster Championship, or would you, as a player, like sort of the National League format in the summer? Um, I, I, I probably personally, and for kind of more nostalgic and selfish reasons I'd, I'd love to keep the Leinster Championship mm. because we've never won it like or since um, 2000 but like none of this current panel has ever won it so we'd love to keep going until we win it and then when we win it you can, you can get rid of it then but uh, no the 
I, I think it would make sense to move the championship to a more like the league format. We, we want, it mean way more games, more competitive games, and, and ultimately that's what we want for a, for a championship format. So I think um, if it came to it that a, a provincial championship had to be sacrificed or maybe played as a, as a pre-season type event, I think it's probably what makes the most sense, all right? Yeah, well, hopefully we do see some sort of football, whether it be October or even earlier than that, maybe with the club. But, uh, Kevin, thanks very much for coming on. No hassle at all there. And uh, keep an eye on the channel. I have more videos coming soon.